Good evening and welcome in to another edition of A Train Sports Talk Podcast. It's the Sunday night edition after a weekend of football, football, football. On a rather unusual football Saturday. Especially with some Power 5 conferences not playing. How weird this, this seemed. First of all, we're going to look at a few things. Sunbelt over the Big 12. Notre Dame in the ACC. And more from college football's week number two. Yes, the Big 12 as a conference took it on chin big time. And boy, did they take it on chin. One of the teams that was expected to challenge and Maybe one game doesn't really set the stage, but at the same time it could, especially if you're coming to a game ranked number 23 when you're playing against a Sunbelt team. But mind you, this team is from Louisiana Lafayette. And this team came to play as I watched that game unfold. And I was like, what's going on with Iowa State? I mean, they struck first, but Louisiana Lafayette responded with a 95-yard kickoff return. But we'll get back to that, okay? Uh, Nick Saban, the second Saturday in September coaching his scrimmage, spent the second Saturday in September coaching his scrimmage then talking to the media through an internet connection about a game that's still two weeks away. Dabo Swinney checked in with ESPN's college game day using FaceTime on his cell phone, which inexplicably he held arm outstretched the whole time from his team's training room. Ed Orgeron spent the first Saturday that resembled anything close to real college football doing. Okay, we're just going to assume the coach was elbow deep in some crawfish. At least that would have offered some normalcy amid one of the most unusual starts to a college football year. But while the top echelon of the sport muddled through a patchwork Saturday, America was treated to arguably the most surprising development of a surreal 2020. The country's best conference so far is the Sun Belt. Really, was there any more fitting way for this season to truly get started than for the Sun Belt to pull off a pair of shocking upset Saturdays? In Ames, Iowa, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns used a kick return TD and a punt return TD to shock number 23 Iowa State 31-14, ending the Brock Purdy Heisman love before it even got started. Billy Napier's crew held Purdy to just 145 yards and no touchdowns. Searching for a new Ram? Well, good news. The search is over. Check out this month's offers on new models. Call, commit, or click now for more details on your new Ram. And we have a glitch. There we go. Got that fixed. Anyway, Billy Napier's crew held pretty just 145 yards and no touchdowns. It was the first time Louisiana beat a ranked 
opponent since 1996 against Texas A&M when Jake DeLone was at QB. There are some other takeaways from that game. I'm going to pause here and I'm going to get back into the story. Because as I watched the game unfold, Louisiana Tech, from a defensive standpoint, basically they played straight up man-to-man. They were also the more physical team. They were willing to take risk, even if there was a chance it might draw a flag. But their game plan was simple. Man-to-man defense. They were not afraid. And even though there was a lot of hype around Brock Purdy going into this game, his receivers didn't do him any justice with a lot of drop balls, and when they did make catches, there wasn't much space for them to operate. As a matter of fact, in watching that game, their receivers looked much slower and less physical. Yes, they might have been taller, and maybe Brock could have threw the jump ball, but Louisiana Lafayette, or the Raging Cajun, they had a good game plan. They had a Game plan they they were going to stick to. They had their mind made up that this is how we're going to play. And we're going mano y mano, one-on-one, and show the best man won. And it was Louisiana Raging Cajun. Mind you, though, this was a team that won 11 games last year as well, too. So, this isn't one of those games where Iowa State could have overlooked them. But what was amazing, this team came in, they averaged like 200-something plus yards rushing last year. But it was special teams and good defense that went it for them. But kidding aside, the two unexpected victories gave two programs a much-needed boost after recent personnel tragedies. Napier was emotional talking about the loss of offensive line coach D.J. Looney who died of a heart attack at the age of 31 last month. It's a special group of people in that locker room, Napier said after the game. I know you guys are well aware of what we've been through. We can talk about COVID-19, social issues, and a hurricane. But when you lose family members, one of your team members, it's a significant event. I hope my man DJ's up there smiling for sure. It was a similarly emotional win for Arkansas State, which upended Kansas State with a 17-yard TD pass from Lane Hatcher to Jonathan Adams Jr. with just 38 seconds left to play. It was week two a year ago that Red Wolves head coach Blake Anderson triumphantly returned to his team after the death of his wife, Wendy. Anderson lost his father this offseason, too. But on Saturday, there was nothing but celebration in the Arkansas State locker room. There was water spouting everywhere and dudes hopping and jumping and dancing, Anderson said. Really excited, but not surprised. Anderson said he thought his team should have won a week ago when a bevy of mistakes cost the Red Wolves against Memphis. And Saturday's victory 
only underscored how talented his team is this season. And as folks over at Reddit pointed out, it was a particularly damning indictment of Kansas State. Reddit tweeted at Reddit CFB, Kansas State is not even the best team with Kansas State in his name. Wow. It's worth noting that the three losses by the Big 12, including Coastal Carolina's late-night throttling of Kansas, didn't have to happen. The league opted to play one non-conference game each this season, a plan that Commissioner Bob Bosby may be rethinking today. At least Texas Tech won by two. As a 40-point favorite against Houston Baptist, did we mention it was a rough day for the Big 12? For the Sun Belt, however, it was a massive step into the spotlight on a day when only two Power 5 leagues were playing games. The league played its first season in 2001, but as ESPN stats and information notes, this was the first time it managed multiple wins over the Power 5 on the same day. Odds of both Louisiana and Arkansas State winning Saturday, that'd be 2.1%. Meanwhile, the Sun Belt's defending champs got off to a slow start. Forgive them. The uniforms needed time to dry. But the Appalachian State grounded out a 35-20 win over Charlotte, too. And it added all up, and the Sun Belt has earned its crown at least for a week. People paying attention, there's really good ball played in our league, Anderson said. If you're not playing your best ball, you're going to get beat. They were two really good matchups for our league, and I'm hoping people start taking notice of what our league is capable of. Signs of the time. Saturday's kickoff of Power 5 football in 2020 was any word strange. The enormous outpourings of support for social justice reforms were everywhere, for, from Clemson's helmets to Syracuse's jersey. ESPN College Football at ESPN CFB at Clemson FB helmets will feature stickers in support of social justice before its game Saturday night. Among the most Poignant was the decal won by North Carolina on Saturday. The team's leadership council asked Tamon Fox, Carolina star outside linebacker, and an accomplished artist to create a decal. And he went to work on something mem memorable. The design features a clenched black fist with the words peace, justice, freedom, and equality stitched around it, along with the slogan, Say Their Names. A rallying cry against police brutality. There were also reminders of the coronavirus pandemic that has upended the country for the past six months. Many stadiums are empty or had a small percentage filled with fans. The games on the field showed plenty of fallout from the pandemic, too. The play was, to put it mildly, sloppy. North Carolina was flagged for a false start at the end of the first half on a kneel down. 
Louisiana nearly fumbled away its upset with a lackluster snap on what was supposed to be a spike. There was also, well, whatever this was. And then there were the kickers. Missed field goals were prominent throughout the day, highlighted or low-lighted perhaps by Georgia Tech, which saw two kicks blocked, but still managed a 16-13 win over Florida State. History at Notre Dame. How is this for confidence in the head coach? Notre Dame inked Brian Kelly to a contract extension before ever seeing the guy coach a conference game. Just before the Irish kicked off against Duke on Saturday, news broke that Kelly had signed a contract extension through 2024. The gamble paid off, too. Notre Dame hardly blew past Duke in his debut as a full-time ACC member, but the Irish eventually pulled away behind a stellar performance from tailback Kyron Williams, winning 27-13. For a program notorious for its lack of rich history, Getting conference win number one was a watershed moment. So where does Kelly's historic win in the aftermath of a new contract rank among great Notre Dame coaching moments? Well, his pregame speech likely will be repeated for decades. Sometime, book, when the team is up against it, conference logos on the field look all wrong, and Duke is beating the boys, ask them to go in there with all they've got and win just one in the ACC. Goosebumps. It's getting hot in here. Florida might not have played Saturday, but the Gators still made some news. When a fire broke out at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, which generated tons of social media content, including from the Gators coach. Initially, it was reported the fire was started by a faulty golf cart, which is really more appropriate in Naples than Gainesville. Then word spread on social media that the problem was a dumpster fire, which would have marked the worst such incident at Florida since the twenty thirteen gate since the twenty thirteen Georgia Southern game. Finally, however, word came down from the school that the fire actually began with a tractor, adding some salt in the wound for somber Nebraska fans. If anyone was going to co- going to combine tractor fires and football this year, it should have been them. Who's got next? Wondered how much the COVID-19 pandemic might play havoc with schedules this fall? Saturday gave us more than just a taste. The day started with the ACC announcing Virginia Tech, Virginia's schedule for September 19th would be rescheduled because of an outbreak in the Hokies locker room. That caused UVA to then move up this game against Duke, initially set for November 14th to September 26th instead. The change was necessitated because the Cavaliers wouldn't have had a game until October 10th otherwise. The move also prompted a pretty epic CDC-approved burn from one rival to another. Things got messier when an outbreak at Memphis forced the postponement the Tigers game against Houston scheduled for September the 18th. How did Houston respond? It's found a replacement, Baylor, to play in six days. Heisman 5. 
We're still at least a few weeks away from seeing many of the top candidates for the Heisman, but the expected stars who took the field Saturday all delivered big numbers. So, for our first Heisman 5, we're looking only at guys who played a game so far. There will be plenty of room for Najee Harris and Chuba Hubbard and Kellen Mond, and maybe, just maybe, Justin Fields down the road. So, we're going to look at how the highest from hopefuls fared after this word from my sponsor. You're listening to A Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is Anthony Smith, and I'll be back with you in a moment. So, stay tuned. Okay, welcome back. So we're now going to take a look at how some of the Heisman hopefuls fared. Number one, QB Trevor Lawrence, Clemson. Sure, he threw for more than 350 yards in a blowout win. But here's the stat that's really worth celebrating. Seven carries, minus 24 yards. And two rushing touchdowns. Seriously. This has happened only three other times in the past decade. Number two, quarterback Spencer Rattler. Never heard of him. Not until Saturday. Oh, by the way, he plays for that factory known as Quarterback U now, Oklahoma. In his starting debut, Rattler completed 14 of 17 passes. For four touchdowns, which seemed pretty good. But remember, that's still two fewer TDs than Jalen Hurts had in his debut last year. Clearly, Lincoln Riley has lost a step. Don't believe that. Number three, quarterback Sam Elling- Ellinger, Texas. Five TD passes in the first half against UTEP is good, but it's not enough to get us to say to say it. Seriously, we're not going to do it. Stop asking. Okay, fine. Texas is back. I'll believe that when they win the Red River rivalry. Running back Kyron Williams, Notre Dame. In his first serious action, sophomore ran for 112 yards and two touchdowns, adding another 93 yards on two catches. More impressive? All those stats set a school record in conference play. Number five, wide receiver Jonathan Adams. Jonathan Adams Jr., Arkansas State. He has played two games against strong competition and he has looked quite good after a six-catch performance in the opener versus Memphis. Adams absolutely dominated K-State secondary Saturday hauling in eight grabs, including three touchdowns. And then there's this fingertip grab that will definitely be on this season's year-end highlight reel. Under the Radar Play of the Week, we're all excited to see college football back in our lives. But no one was more excited than Charlotte linebacker Peter Agabe who took the field the same way a toddler avoids bedtime on Saturday. 
and you would have to see the video to see how he performed. I don't know what you call it. Some were calling the variation of the worm. It like someone was having a temper tantrum or a seizure. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was something that I hope I never ever see again. Under the radar, game of the week. Tyler Vitt sidelined for Texas State opener last week because of a positive COVID-19 test. This week, he was the Bobcat starter because the other quarterback, Brady McBride, was now in the quarantine protocol too. So, how did it work out? Vitt was excellent, completing 26 to 39 throws, 346 yards, and four touchdowns, including leading Texas State to 20 points in the fourth quarter to send the game to overtime. Unfortunately, the extra frames didn't go so well, and University of Texas San Antonio won 51-48 in double overtime. But even that was a whirlwind. Texas State kicker Alon Arona missed a potential winning point after attempt with 116 left in regulation. Then missed a 20-yard field goal try in the second frame of overtime that proved to be the difference. But let me pause right there. Who would have thought we'd see Texas State and UTSA on national TV for a football game? These are the things that take place in a pandemic season especially when two-year Power Five conferences aren't playing and the networks have to put games on. And the way I look at it, you got these two Texas teams that no one has probably ever paid attention to outside of their own fan base and their respective cities putting on quite the spectacle that they did on the football field, 51-48, to Something tells me the defense didn't show, but there was plenty of offensive firepower. But they played what I would probably consider, if it was two power five teams, maybe you would call the game a classic, the way it went back and forth. But the way I look at it is, you got a lot of Texas kids out there, and that field, they probably feel they got overlooked by the bigger Texas schools, and they left it all on the field. So my hat's off these two Texas schools, UTSA and Texas State, for putting on quite a show. Big bets and bad bets. Pitt was a 30-point favorite for its game against FCS foe Austin P on Saturday. It wasn't exactly safe money. Pitt hadn't beaten an FCS team by 30 since 2014, and it narrowly edged Delaware last year, 17-14. So backers should have been pleasantly surprised when the Panthers led at half, 42-0. Easy money, right? Uh, not so fast. Or more clearly, way too fast. The teams agreed to 10-minute quarters in the second half due to the blowout, reducing the game to just 50 minutes total, which was five minutes short of the requirement for Las Vegas books to pay out. So all bets were canceled. Ouch. With less than 20 minutes to play, North Carolina 
led Syracuse 7-6, and the Orange looked like a cinch to cover a 23-point spread. But UNC has had a knack for big fourth quarters. In 2019, the Tar Heels outscored their, their opposition 130-70 in the fourth quarter in overtime, the sixth-best differential in FBS. So what happened Saturday? UNC ruled off 24 unanswered points, and less than eight minutes after leading by just one point, the Heels were covering the spread. Last season, Clemson was favored by at least four touchdowns, six times in ACC play, and covered all six. The Tigers sure seemed like they would they could keep the streak alive in 2022. Clemson was a 34-point favorite in its opener against Wake Forest and looked poised for a cover with a 37-3 lead to end the third quarter. But Alice, the Demon Deacons, wouldn't let its first visit from college game day end with a complete embarrassment. They scored the final 10 points of the game, including a TD pass with 2.34 to play. First touchdown against Clemson since 2017. He's back. Remember Keon Howard? No, probably not. He started eight games at QB for Southern Miss way back in 2016 and 2017. He lost the job midway through his sophomore campaign, transferred to Tulane, sat out all of 2018, then threw just 18 passes last year. But Howard returned to action Saturday, getting the start for the Green Wave. And while he wasn't exactly great, 14 of 30, passing 490 yards in the rush in the Russian TD, he did engineer a huge second half comeback, erasing a 24-6 deficit to upend South Alabama. Howard's last win as a starter before Saturday. October 21st, 2017, against Louisiana Tech. He lost his job three weeks later. Breaking 15-year records. How weird was this area? Georgia Tech started a true freshman, QB, Jeff Sims, and he completed 23 passes en route to a stunning 16-13 win over Florida State. Why is that so strange? The last time a Yellow Jacket QB completed more than 23 passes all the way back on September 10, 2005. That QB was Reggie Ball, who completed 24 and he went over UNC. Calvin Johnson had more than 100 yards. He was a sophomore then. He has been retired from the NFL for five years. Sam's debut was hardly a revelation. He struggled early and threw two picks in FSU territory. Part of what part of what could have been an ugly night for Georgia Tech that also included 10 penalties and three block kicks. Instead, Sims rebounded, and so did Yellow Jackets, who pulled off a shocking road win to start the year and ruined Mike Norvell's debut as a Seminoles head coach. In the fourth quarter, Sims completed all four of his passes for 49 yards and a touchdown. FSU has now lost four straight openers with three different head coaches. So there's a look at college football recap.
tune back in with me tomorrow because I'm going to have the NFL wrap-up, as I will so aptly call it. Uh, I will give you a little sneak preview. Yes, my Dallas Cowboys lost tonight. Uh, I'm hoping to also reach out. It should have happened today, but it didn't due to some other things. And to all those who are following me and have favored my podcast, I want to say thank you first and foremost. Uh, I just got me a new laptop, so I'm going to have to try to figure that out. That way I can possibly do more things. Uh, so bear with me with the next few days as I get that situated. Because it's time for me to step up my equipment, okay? But uh, tomorrow I will come back with the NFL scores and possibly some breakdowns. Hopefully reach out to a partner of mine named Rick Thomas. His show is called, his podcast is called Run the Table. So we kind of go back and forth. And I hope to also reach out to my buddy that's stuck out there in Ohio. I can say that. And whatever else he decides to say about being stuck out there, that's on him. <laughs> his name is uh, James Davis McAllister. Uh, his podcast is From the Stash Podcast. Uh, I hope to reach out to him and also hash out some more NFL. So I'm uh, looking forward to bringing these podcasts to you, but I'm also looking forward to finally getting this laptop up and going and doing my podcast from there. But until next time, Take care of yourself and each other, and I'll be back with you sometime tomorrow with another episode. So as I always say, take care of yourself and each other, and have a blessed evening. Stay trained. Sports Talk Podcast, Anthony Smith, signing off.